Blog Talk Radio. Get on a path 
for a healthier relationship. Now, we talk about relationships. We're not just talking about the man and woman relationship. We're talking about relationships of all kinds because everything is a relationship. You water your plants, your plants grow. That's a relationship. You put gas in your car, your cat, your car rolls. That's a relationship. You go to the store, you buy groceries, you pay the cashier. That's a relationship. You go to your job, you have an administrator. That's a relationship. Then, of course, there's the relationships between families, between husbands and wives and parents and children, and the list goes on. So without further ado, because I could talk to you on this topic for a very long time by myself, but I'm going to let you know that all of our shows are archived. If you don't catch everything we say today because you forgot to go get your pen and paper because maybe I forgot to remind you, (laughs) you can always go get it now or you can listen back, take your time, and take down your notes as they come along. Today's show is featured by The Fluffs Present the Alphabet, now live on www.thefluffsfamily.com, and it's available on Kindle for a mere $9.99. So tonight we're going to highlight the keys for self-improvement in pursuit of opening doors to endless possibilities. The relationship consultant, Mr. Abdul Hafiz, will be right in. And for those of you who need a little introduction, he is the New York representative, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, and the Nation of Islam, and the Minister of Muhammad Mosque Number no. 7. Mr. Hafiz, are you with us? Assalamu alaikum. Peace be to you. And it is an honor to be on the Keys 107 once again. And greetings to your listening audience. And we wish to all of them Allah's peace. In the turning of 2012 to 2013, we can no longer say or need to say Happy New Year because the old year closed out with a big bang of noise of death and destruction, and the new year began with the same. So we can't say Happy New Year. We must say May Allah's peace be with you because the only thing that is universal and sustaining in the time of confusion, war, bloodshed, strife, loss of life, demonition of fruit and property is the peace of God. And so it's an honor to be with you again, Sister Rafika, and this wonderful program. Well, thank you for taking the time to join us today. And um, also thank you for the reminder and trying to steer us from the habitual saying of how we bring in the New Year traditionally. I was very careful today not to say that because, you know, sometimes it's just on the tip of your tongue. So let's oh, yeah. get right into it. Today we're going to focus on the essential spiritual, mental, and emotional keys leading to the critical financial, social, and physical keys, and of course, tying in the vital communication key. The beginning of the year is always a good time to plan for success. So let's jump right into it. I'm going to give the call numbers out for our listening audience, those who may want to speak directly to Minister Hafiz. The number is area code 213 nine four three three six one eight. That's area code two one three nine four three three six one eight. And hit the number one on your keypad to indicate to our engineer, Brother James Muhammad, to let us know that you want to speak. So I'm rolling my sleeves up, Mr. Hopkins, and I'm gonna jump right into this the spiritual sure key. The essential spiritual key. I'm gonna start off by um Asking you a question, and you can answer it, but what I'd like for everyone to walk away with is a seven-point plan addressing each of these seven areas or what we can do to make our relationships healthier. Indeed. Okay. So going into the spiritual key, 
What is the best way to strengthen our connections with our faith? Well, that's a wonderful, wonderful question to begin with because everything in life begins with the spirit. We tend to utilize a statement that blood is thicker than water, and it is, but spirit is thicker than blood. The closeness of our relationship to God, our creator, is more important than any warm-blooded relationship that the creator is responsible for us having because whether it is in the Bible or the Quran, God says in the Bible, I'm the giver and taker of life. In the Holy Quran, he goes even a little bit further as a compliment to what he said in the Torah and the Gospel. He said, it is I who created you in the womb of your mothers. So the primary relationship when we come into adolescenthood and begin to recognize beyond the parenting of mama and daddy, the mother and the father, that there is a God over them as it was over their parents and the parents before them, all the way back to the originator of the heavens and the earth himself, then we must turn mercifully to that God. How do you turn to God? Well, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad says, if you want to talk to Allah, pray. But if you want God to talk to you, then read his revelation or his revealed word. And the Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded forth from the mouth of God. So therefore, the word of God is even more important than bread at a certain point. Though you need bread or food to sustain the bodily function, but if the word is not right, see, then you having food in your body does not get you closer to God. It just quenches your hunger or your thirst if you have something to drink. But the word of God, the revelation of God, sets us up for a better mental and emotional and social reality in this world's life. So the best way to strengthen our connection with our faith is to remember that there is a creator, and we are his creation. Never, ever, ever, never believe that there is no God. Never believe that God is dead, no matter how bad things get on the planet. So what I said to everyone, pardon me, in the passing of an old year coming into a new, is that every day above ground is indeed a blessed day. Another day to solve a problem and another day to receive a bountiful blessing from our wonderful creator. That's the message I sent <clears throat> to everyone, that we should be happy to be above ground. So we must recognize, Sister Rafika, that we must set our face toward religion. Not religiosity, but spirituality, that there is a God, there is a creator. He's responsible for the existence of my life. He loves me. He appreciates me. He wants me to rely upon the scripture that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Not greater that the world is in me than he that should be in me. No, greater is he that is in me already than he that is in the world. And so we must recognize that what God has revealed to us is the best that will strengthen our faith. And I close with this. 
When you want to become an expert in martial arts, <clears throat> you attend the dojo. When you want to build your muscle to be able to pick things up and put them down, you go to the gym. When you want to get your cardiovascular together, you walk up and down the stairs or you do aerobics. When you want to stretch out your body and make it limber and increase blood flow, you perform the art of yoga. Well, if you want to strengthen your connection with your faith with God, then you have to stay in the Word of God and allow the Word of God in Torah, Injil, and the Holy Quran be that which gives you your faith, sustains your faith, and keeps you connected to Allah God of a handle that will never let go of you as long as you never let go of it. Mm. Wow. I need to go to commercial break. No, I'm just joking. Um, how do you how do you help your spouse, Mr. Hafiz, when when you see your spouse who might be straying, who might be losing his or her faith? Um, how do you how do you strengthen them? How do you help to strengthen them? And then how do you help to strengthen your children when you begin to see your children going off the straight path? Another beautiful question, you know. My teacher, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, has taught me the better the question, the better the answer. The way that you help your spouse and your children strengthen their faith is you have to strengthen your own first. You know, it's like flying on a plane. They always tell you, put on your mask first, your air mask, before your children, because you can't do anything for them if there's loss of oxygen and you have no oxygen coming to your brain. So the first thing you must do is secure yourself. How can you secure others in a vehicle if you won't first put on your seatbelt? So it all begins with an example that the husband, the father, the male, the man must give to his family. We must learn to lead by example. The things that you want others to do, you must be seen doing. So if you want your spouse and your children to pray more, then you should make your prayers. You should make your prayers, whether sitting, standing, or lying down. You should make and observe your salat at the prescribed time or close to the time. If it's fasting, you should be fasting, even if they're not. And you should not be uh, bragging about it. You should go about your day and then let them see the benefits of it. And they say, you know what, I've noticed there's something different about you. You should read your your revealed word more if you want them to read more and to study things of history and science and mathematics and biology and anatomy that all bear witness to the revealed word of God. Whatever you want your spouse or your children to do more of that they're not doing, you be found doing it. The same way when we're frolicking and playing around and we're going to the club. So we club in every Friday. We start clubbing on Thursday. Then we move into Friday on Saturday, we just all drunk and all fall out. And then we stumble our way into the church and some of us into the mosque and other places and some of us don't make it at all. See, we're good at the worldly and grave things, but we at being an example. We know how to give an example of being a fool. We know how to give an example of being a Negro, a need-to-grow person. But we need to learn how to be a better example of a good husband, a good father, a good teacher, and a good guide by doing 
what we want others to do, we should be found doing it ourselves. We have to lead by example. Indeed. So the next question goes into the inside, our eternal self. And the question um, sort of goes in this, in this direction. How do you get to the point where you hear your inner voice that some call the voice of God, right? Um, how do you know it's God talking to you? How do you recognize that that is God talking to you? Oh, beautiful question. Beautiful question. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan gave us a beautiful set of the revealed word called Study Guides. Mm. And in it, he says, would you ever knowingly kill a messenger of God? And some of us may say, no. Some of us may question, I don't know. Some might say, yes, I would. <laughs> the bottom line is, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said, every time the voice of correction speaks from within and we deny it, we are killing a messenger of God from within. You know God is talking to you because God is always on the Serato Mustakim, the straight path. So when you go into that restroom and you're about to leave and not wash your hands like other folks do, and you know you should wash your hands, then that voice says, you know you should be washing your hands. And when you say on top of that voice, but I barely did anything, see, you have now rationalized disobedience to the will and the way of God. And I'm not saying this in a judgmental way because we all fall short of the glory of God, but we have to learn that it's time to measure up. So you know that God is talking because he comes to you straight. He doesn't come to you crooked. He doesn't come from you sideways. He takes the crooked and he makes it straight. And he takes the straight and he keeps it on the straight path. Therefore, you must, you must understand when God is talking, he's keeping everything in proper order. And we must listen to that inner voice that tells us, no, don't go there. See, when you see as a woman, you know, your mind goes off. You know, the blinkers are going off in your head. Danger signs. He's not good for you. But you're thinking with your heart, but not the heart of your brain, your mind. Then you have a problem. Same thing with the male. Danger signs are going off, but you're proceeding without caution because you like what you see on the external, but you're not trying to connect with the internal by questioning the external to find out what's on the inside, then you really don't know that really not God is not coming out, but something other than God is coming out, and that person needs to work on themselves before they can even try to be a good attachment for you. And so we need to understand that that inner voice that's within all of us speaks to us. And I close with this point. When you're sitting in your prayer room, when you're sitting as a Muslim in the Jalsa position and you're sitting uh, in that prayer position and you're giving dua to the Creator and a negative thought comes up in your brain, where did it come from? There's no apparent person in the room that is the personification of evil. Where is it coming from? Mm. It is what Minister Farrakhan has taught us that the meaning of Satan is deceptive intelligence that rationalizes disobedience to the will and the way of God. And there are things that have already come into us, been put in us, that become these triggers for deceptive thinking. No 
nobody else is in the room except ourselves. And therefore, if something negative comes up, we have to look at ourselves that there's another voice from within talking to us, rationalizing disobedience to the will and the way of God. But Allah is ever-present to put us on the right path. And if we will just listen to that first voice that comes into our mind, then we'll be turned in the right direction. So that first voice, that inner voice, is the moral compass. Indeed it is. Hmm. We're going to move into the mental, but you opened the door for that one already. I'm going to start off with um, just talking about those negative whispers that come into your mind and your heart. And I'm asking Mm -hmm. for this year, give me a tool, give us a tool that we can use to help us fight that negative voice that comes into our ears. I will continuously, that's a wonderful question, and this is the tool that I will continue to offer. Get in the mirror, and when you look in the mirror, here's the tool. Tell the truth to yourself about yourself. Simple. Tell the truth to yourself about yourself. We always want others to tell us the truth about us. How do you see me? That, 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 that plays a a role, but what if the person has a negative motive in answering you and they hide it behind your friendship or your brotherhood or your sisterhood? See, and they want to bring you down now because they feel you're too notches up too high. See, what you need to do is do this. And if you don't question them, well, why would you say that? Because I really am not this and I don't do that. No, but see, you know, you know, the eyes see out, but they don't see in. Oh, they can see in because you can make a spiritual reflection of yourself by listening to what you say. I'm listening to what I'm saying to you right now in your listening audience. But get a mirror and look in the mirror. Now, uh, when you get in the mirror, you've got to be very careful. You can't stand in front of the mirror now. We're talking about mental, negative whisperings. You can't get in the mirror now and start talking to yourself. Well, how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing fine. Well, where are you going? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to go out to the mosque today. Well, no, I'm not going to the mosque today. I'm just going to stay home and look at the football game, even though football season is over with. See, now you've got a problem now because you're talking to yourself. Some may laugh. The bottom line is it's a, it's a mental conversation that you're having with yourself. You know out of the ten things you did today, three of them I could have done much better and handled them. Rather than saying every decision I made today was right and exact. No, I could have done that better. You see? And so you have to look in the mirror and tell the truth to yourself about yourself. The mirror that gives you your genuflection and the mirror of life, which is the word of God, and the mirror of truth that we know what is the right thing to do. You know, one time I was James, but James and I was in the presence of a of a young man who was re, who was retelling a story that caused him a lot of anger. And and I'll never forget the phrase he said. He said to us, and I felt the rage coming through my toes and move through my body. And that that led me to ask you this question: How do we recognize leading us to a chaotic state of mind? When we know, when we know we are out of control, mm. and we know we are out of control, you know that thought patterns are leading us.
to a chaotic state of mind when we just lose control on everything. Someone just asks us something, we start going off. Someone makes a request, we clear everything off the table. Someone challenges us, see, just for us to be better. We start putting holes through the walls. We start mistreating the cat, the dog. We mistreat the lower species of life. We abuse things. Sometimes we take it out on our children who are defenseless against us. See? We'll speak harsh to them. We'll mush them upside their head. Other times we'll physically abuse them. Then say, I'm sorry. When you're losing control, when you can't stop yourself, then you know that they're thought patterns that are leading us to a chaotic state of mind. And we must say, help me. You know, if you remember the movie The Fly with Vincent Price, and he was Mm -hmm. caught in the spider's web, and he said, help me, help. Well, you have to cry out. We have to learn to cry out for help. And we can't sit back when we know we are needed. Say, you know what, brother, sister, you know what, to my psychologist, to my psychiatrist, you know, I need some help. To my therapist, to my counselor, to your wife, to your husband, sometimes to your children. You know what was in a better state of mind at particular moment? You know, mom and dad right now, everything is just running all together. And I just don't understand what I'm feeling right now. And I need some assistance. A lot of times pride gets in the way, and we don't reach out because we don't want to look bad to others, but we look worse when we lose total control and do something that we can never call back once it's done. Well, Mr. Hafiz, thank you for that. And I just want to tell the engineer that I, I like that echo sound, but I don't, I don't know how it's translating over the airways here. I'm going to move on to the next category, and um, talking about control, which you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, leads me right into my next thought. And wondering how do we control our thoughts about others and even about ourselves? How do we control our thoughts? There is a verse in the whole Quran where Allah says, Why did you not think better of your brother? The third way to control thoughts about others and self, and I could say the same thing, why don't you think better about yourself? Minister Farrakhan has taught us that we are not good judges of ourselves. And therefore, when we judge ourselves too much, it could lead to suicide. Because we uh, put ourselves down, we beat ourselves down. When God came, to raise us up. And he knew our condition. He knew our present mind. And he knew it would take time to reform us out of the old mind into his new mind. And he knew there would be some slippage, you know. And as Donnie McClurkin says, we all fall down, but we all get up. And we add something from the Honorable Muhammad. We all get up, but we must get up and go to work. Stop sitting around asking God what must be done. The Honorable Muhammad said, get up and do something. Go to work. 
to work and along with Peter and bless us. So the first way that we control our thoughts about others and about ourselves is to think better about one another. Don't jump to rational decisions because of something that comes your way, something that's of a disappointment, and you don't give it proper consideration. Well, you know, I really don't know what happened. Let me call my brother and sister and just inquire and find out. And then when you talk to them, you find out it's not all that you thought it was or perceived it was or was informed that it was. So you don't take yourself down that road, but when we take ourselves down the road, of not thinking better about one another before we make a predetermined decision that later we have to regret. Because a lot of times when we make predetermined decisions, we talk to others about them, and we spoil them, and we win them over because they believe and trust us. And if you said it, it's got to be the truth. But then you don't go back and correct it with those persons. So therefore you hurt the person now that you should have thought better about. Then when you don't think better about yourself, you shrink back from, from from persons and environments. You don't, you know, be you don't uh, uh, um, exert yourself. You're not as aggressive as you could be and should be to go after a particular goal or endeavor because you think you're nothing. I'm nothing. Never been nothing. Never will be nothing. And this is a command that's been given to us by those that have been in authority over us, by our parents by someone that has been controlling in our lives, and we then begin to live out those commands. So we must be able to get control of ourselves by, one, thinking better of ourselves, and, number two, thinking better of our brothers and sisters. Well, that leads right into my, my question about self-esteem destruction. How do we prevent or control ourselves so we don't get to the point where we are Well, like a snowflake, there are no two snowflakes from the study of them that are alike. There are no two fingerprints that are the same, even of identical twins. There's a fingerprint that distinguishes each one from the other one, no matter how much that their facial features look the same and are the same. Their fingerprints make them distinct. God has something distinct for each of us to do that fits in a category with other distinct persons like ourselves. And when we meet these other distinct persons who have like ability as ourselves, we don't need to be in competition with them. We are in a chain or a link or a network or a grouping of others just like us that makes the world a better place. Yet in a group activity, we are different than others that are in the room, and it is only as good as we unite what we have for the common good of the whole, bigger than the individual, can we then prevent self-esteem destruction. Self-esteem will be destroyed when we feel, once again, that we're worthless, when we feel, well, I don't have what this person has. I can't break dance like they do. I can't rap like they do. I can't teach like they do. I can't walk like they do. I can't lift what they lift. I can't run the way they run. Do what you do that no one else can do. For the gymnast is not the martial artist, and the martial artist is not the football player, and the football player is not the hockey player. So a person that excels in one area may be able to do something in another, but not excel the way he does in the other. 
but to prevent self-esteem destruction is to have a better self-worth and value. And women have to stop waiting for men to give them their self-worth. And men must stop waiting for other men to give them their self-worth. Find it in what God has revealed and given to every one of us that he made us unique like the snowflake, unique like the fingerprint, and he made us a unique individual on the earth that when we're gone, there'll never, ever be another one like us, similar, but yet not just like us. Mm. I'm going to wrap up the mental key, and I'm going to open the door and ask you about training our minds to be free. How do we do that? Well, the best way to train your mind to be free is to do something that I heard Minister Farrakhan teach us over and over again. We have to learn to think outside of the box of the present reality under which we live. The Bible says we are born in sin and shaped into iniquity. Well, that means we're born into someone else's reality. It says that Jesus is born to save his people from their sins. There represents those that his people were born under, and there then means after that their own personal sins. But there, here represents two groups, the grouping of whom you're born under, who's in authority and power, you must be saved from the sins that they have birthed us into because we're born into sin. So we're born into someone else's sin and reality. Then we must be saved from there, our own wrongdoing. And so in order to train our minds to be free, you have to think outside of the box of a slave. See, a slave is one whose circumference of their activity and the diameter of their thinking is controlled by the wishes of their master. Well, we're not on the plantation anymore. And uh, Django showed us what it was like on the plantation, and Root showed us what it was like on the plantation, and the book Without Sanctuary showed us what it was like on the plantation. 100 Years of Lynching by J.A. Rogers showed us what it was like on the plantation. We don't want to be that kind of physical slave anymore. And irrespective to the movie Lincoln, and irrespective to the political decisions that former President Abraham Lincoln made, as a man, he always desired the superiority of his race over the black race. So he made political decisions, but they were not the best morally that he would have done. He would have continued to perpetuate slavery, which is why the word emancipation was used in the first place, because it comes from the root word emancipatory, which means to free from one's hand, but not from one's control. So then if you're not free from one's control, how can your mind be free? So we have to think outside of the box of this present reality. Then find the man of God who is free, Elijah Muhammad. Find the man of God who is free, Louis Farrakhan. Find them because Elijah produced Farrakhan. God produced Minister Farrakhan for the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and for black people. And he has produced a free mind in us who listen to him. And we think outside the box. And so if you're on the collegiate level, you've got to think outside the box 
of your teachers, even on the junior high school and high school level, because Christopher Columbus, man born in Italy, which is in Southeast Europe, did not discover America. He found the Indians who were here exiled 16,000 years ago from the time of his finding of them who came through the Bering Straits. He didn't discover America, so why continue the lie? Jesus was not born on December 25th. Stop it. Nobody trying to take Christ out of Christmas, but you need to stop lying about when Jesus the Christ was born. Easter has nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus. It has to do with the pagan lifestyle of stealing the virginity of the young girls during springtime. Valentine's Day has nothing to do with some dark chocolate in a red box. Turn it around. It has to do with the time of Caligula and Claudius II. And when they wanted the Roman soldiers to go to war, who didn't want war? They took them, them and cut the soldiers' hearts out and put the red bleeding heart in a box and sent it to the betrothed one, telling them, if you don't tell the other ones to send their young lovers to war, then we'll do the same thing to them. And they put it on St. Valentine. See, this is thinking out the box with truth. This is getting to the real root of why things are done. Thanksgiving, the falsity and the lies of General Amherst giving out blankets of smallpox to the natives referred to as Indians killing off the population. Yeah, there were things that we as the Indians could have done better, but they ain't got nothing to do with them having dinner with us and killing us at the same time to steal the land. See, this is all thinking out of the box. And when you do this, you now develop a free mind. People just came out of Christmas putting trees up, but yet the word of God says in Jeremiah 10, it is the heathen that goes into the forest and knocketh down the tree and decks it with gold and silver. Jesus said, I come not to change the law of the prophets, but to fulfill them. See, we got to think outside of the box and stop going with the norm of being born in sin, shaped in iniquity. And then when we do that, then we'll become a more free and justified people, and then we will no longer continue to rely on others to do for us that which we can do. And I close with this, with the story of Lazarus and the uh, begging at the table of the rich man. Rather than having a Lazarus syndrome as a people here in America, where we beg our white counterparts, give me a job. See, the Caucasian people who are wise, they go after policy and control while we go after jobs and health care. Rather than learning how to eat to live that will make our health better and, and ultimately stealing away from where we are and making something for ourselves. We put a lot of on our assets, but we don't have, we, we, on our backsides rather, but we don't have a lot of assets we can turn to. Well, instead of Lazarus begging the white man or his master for crumbs off his table, why don't we go and take our dollars and pool our nickels and dimes and raise tens of millions of dollars and buy some of this earth we can call our own, then chop the tree down on the land and make a table and go and get the yeast and make your bread, your whole wheat bread, and cook it two or three times over, as the Honorable Muhammad said, put it on your own table, cut it, put your own butter on it, and eat your own bread on your own table, and eat your own crumbs, and do for yourself. That's how we train our minds to be free.
becoming independent and self-respecting people among the other civilized nations of the earth. Well, we are going to move out of the mental key uh, for a moment, but before we do and go into the emotional key, I'd like to remind our listeners we have a lot of calls on the line, but you've got to hit the number one on your keypad so that we know you want to ask a question. Otherwise, we'll think you're just listening and we won't bring you in. So if you want to speak to Minister Hafiz, ask a question, or make a comment, just press the number one key. And for those of you who are looking for the number, it's 213-943-3618. That's area code 213-943-3618. And again, press the number one on your keypad and let us know you want to talk. We'd be happy to hear from you. And engineer, are you ready to take us to commercial? The key, unlocking the doors to unlimited possibility. Let go of pain. Mm. 
Beautiful, beautiful, and most profound question, my brother. Thank you. First, we have to understand that pain on one level is a gift from God. Listen to me carefully. If Allah forbid, but these things do happen, we go out on the road and we are involved in an automobile accident. And uh, we are struck by another car and another car. We might have been flown from the car or stuck in the car. The paramedics come. Paramedics ask the question, can you feel anything? At that moment, my brother and dear listening audience, if you have to answer, I feel nothing, you wished at that moment, you felt pain because the absence of pain means temporary paralysis or permanent paralysis, which that option is not acceptable but must be if that is the case. If you feel pain yet there's a broken bone, bruised ribs, cracked ribs, whatever the case is, at least you realize, well, I can heal. So the presence of pain represents that there is healing within the pain, within the sore. It produces an outer scab, and that scapulus that is produced brings about healing as long as it's covered. You pick at it or bother it and expose it before time, then pain never goes away because we agitate that which will cover the pain. So we learn to let go of pain because we realize that there's a healing. Allah says, after the pain. Allah says in the Quran, surely after difficulty comes ease. Then he says it again, surely after difficulty comes ease. He says it back to back as a reminder to the believer, to the adherent, to the suffering person. You're going to go through difficult moments. You're going to go through painful circumstances. You're going to go through a disappointment. But after it comes the ease. So we can only let go when we understand that ease comes after the pain. Allah says it like this in the Quran in the 24th uh, surah. He says, I will give you security in exchange for your fear. So if you want the security of God, which is another deeper meaning of the word Muslim. Muslim is one who submits their will to do the will of God. But I heard Minister Farrakhan teach, Muslim is also, means also one who is made secure by Allah God. As a result of their obedience to him, he makes them secure, and we are able to go and secure others. Well, when you give your fear in exchange for the security of God, Brother James, now you have the ability for the removal of pain because fear is painful. Fear of the unknown. Fear of what's behind that door. Fear of what's going to be the outcome. But when we exchange it for the security of God, it is through the Lord that I 
can do all things. Do all things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. See? I walk by faith and not by sight. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. Thus saith the Lord. See, when we exchange fear for security, now we begin to let go of pain. And there's a scripture that says, let go and let God. When we've done all that we can do, we rely upon Allah who works through men and women, not only ourselves and other apparatuses, to release us of the pain of the loss of a loved one, to release us of the pain of the loss of something very dear to us. Whatever it is, Allah can relieve it. And we must remember something the minister taught me significantly over 12 years ago. He says, whatever Allah has for you, brother, no one can withhold it. But whatever Allah does not have for you, there's no one or nothing that can give it to you. Maybe painful thinking that I should have something that I don't have. But when you realize it only comes by the permission of Allah God, then that releases you of the pain because now you put it in the hands of Allah God rather than our own mind and our own thinking. So now our emotional state gets better because many of us, we are emotionally bankrupt and we need to be made strong. So letting go of pain ultimately leads to the opposite of that and the other side of that, which is the healing power of God. But in order for us to know God heals, we have to go through a painful situation in order to say, Allahu Akbar, God is the greatest. Alhamdulillah, all praise belongs to Allah. SubhanAllah, glory be to God. And la ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah, meaning there is no force of power in the universe greater than the creator himself. And therefore, we can ultimately let go of the pain for a brighter and more sufficient healing from our Creator. <laughs> what a wonderful, wonderful answer. I just have a few questions out here. True. Now, now, well, it's so Yes, we create our own chaos from time to time. You know, in the Quran, Allah says he will try a, a, a Muslim, a believer, severely at least once a year. Well, we're under the trial of God. Why then would we do things to put us under greater trial? Minister Farrakhan has taught us, don't put yourself in a position if you don't want to be under the condition. See? Therefore, when we put ourselves in certain positions, which brings about other conditions, now we've created a chaotic state that we have to deal with and we have to manage. Therefore, therefore, we must understand that blessings flow from proper decisions and good judgment. That's where blessings come from. Proper decisions and good judgment brings about blessings from Allah God. And so we can create our own chaos because we can think more of ourselves than what we are, and you don't need no one else to help you with that. We create our own chaos when we don't have love of self, but we talk love thinking we love ourselves. 
but we are yet destructive in the things we do and say. The motives behind them creates chaos for ourselves because now we have to always be apologizing. We have to always regret what we did when we could do what the Almighty Muhammad taught us to do. Think five times before you speak, and you may be right. Jealousy is not necessarily something you fear, but when you're jealous of someone, you believe that they have a step up or an advantage that you don't have. When you really look at yourself, you have what they have and something else that they don't have is they have something else that you don't have. See? So jealousy is, it, there's a difference between jealousy and guarded jealousy. You know, guarded jealousy is when someone you love doesn't see something, but you see it for them. And you go to them, not to manipulate them or to control them, but to say, you know what? I saw so-and-so do so-and-so. And I don't think you picked up on it, but I did. So I want you to consider this as you weigh them and consider them and however you engage with them. And that loved one will say, you know what? I didn't see that. Thank you. You see? But now just the kind of jealousy with a moat in your eye. I'm jealous that a certain person has a kind of clothing. I'm jealous that they're able to do this. I'm jealous that you got this from everyone. They love you. I want them to do the same for me. It's not that you necessarily fear anything. You just think that you're inadequate and that you can't derive the same kind of blessing. But, you know, ask yourself the question, is it for you to have? We all will receive accolades or praise or thanks, which all belongs to God anyway, in our own area and field of personal and self-development. We'll all receive gratitude of thanks in the field of endeavor that's best suited for us. So we don't need to be jealous of someone else. We don't need to be jealous of someone wearing a coat that, oh, man, you're getting all of the platitudes. Yeah, well, it's a nice coat. All right, then. But that doesn't mean you lack anything because I'm doing it. Matter, as a matter of fact, I'm not wearing it anymore. Because the only reason I bought the coat was that I could get compliments from people to massage a deflated ego, to massage a low self-esteem. So sometimes the things that we are jealous of other people for, they do because they have an inadequacy about themselves. And so they make the outer look so then glorious, if I may use that word, uh, so perfect, so that others would compliment the exterior, hiding what's on the interior. Jesus said it like this. You are like whited sepulchers, that within you is the bones of dead men and women. You see? And so we need to understand that these can be the ways that we fight jealousy. Just know that whatever you see someone else has, you know, all that good is is not gold. And you can't judge the book by its cover. You have to open it up and pass through the pages, and you'll find out that there was nothing to be jealous of in the first place. Wow. Brothers and sisters, is jealousy.
jealousy, you really simply fear, or how do we fight being jealous? Well, you heard Minister Hafiz go into the depths of that. And we're going to continue this talk on this emotional uh, key, which is the third key, and the key is 107. How do we deal with conflict in a relationship when it involves finances? Mm. Well, my dear brother, we have to be honest with what we come to the table with, beloved. We really have to be honest. Allah says in the Quran, men are the maintainers of women. That is spiritually, that is emotionally, that is mentally, that is physically, that is financially. Well, let's talk on the finance. Do you, as a black man and a man, have the ability, any man, to fully take care of your wife or your woman and your family to the degree that you can tell her, go do what you would like to do in this life or continue to do what you're doing in this life. Do you have that ability to say that I'll provide every need that you have? If you're able to, praise be to Allah, then do that. That means on the financial level, you are able to make things comfortable for your spouse or for your family unit. But that doesn't mean you are sufficient in other areas. But we're talking about finance. How do we deal with conflict in a relationship when it comes to finance? Tell the truth about your finances. If you're full range, then you're full range. And that doesn't make you better than anyone else. If you're medium range, then you're medium range. If you're low range, well, you know, we really got to do all of this together. This is the part I can do, and this is the part I need you to do. Can we do this together? Well, no, I'm looking for a dude that is going to just do most of it. Oh, well, then I'm not your dude then, because right now this is where I am. See, and you'll find someone that will meet you where you are, and you can meet them where they are, but bring something to the table. Be truthful. You know, when you're unmarried, it really is that. I always tell the brothers for years, that's the time that you go get your suits and you go get your shoes or you go get them jeans you want or them shirts you want. When you're unmarried, you don't have a wife to take care of, you don't have a children, you don't have any family responsibilities except yourself. Hopefully you give overhead to your parents or whoever where you're staying or they tell you you can stay there rent-free. Then you need to put aside what you have. But that's the time you get all of those things that you want to put on 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 your jackass, excuse me, you understand my point. That's the time that you get it. But you don't now become married and you bring debt. No, no, no. You clear that up right now. You don't come in with thirty thousand dollars of debt and my woman is gonna help me clear it up because she's my help me. No, she's not gonna help you clear up your debt. That's your debt in your name. That's her debt and her name. And the woman don't need to think that because the man is the maintainer and he got all of these debt presidents that he need to be throwing them at you, like making it rain. No, that's your debt, and you need to take care of that. Now, the two of you, in your courtship or your dating or your coming together, you say to one another, this is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, then you need to be honorable to the oaths that you said. But sometimes we make certain oaths that we know we can't be honorable to. So why give it? The Scripture says, be a borrower, no one lend to be. Don't borrow and you know you have no intent to pay back. And don't lend when you know the person who you lend it to has no ability to pay it back. Man borrowed $100 from you on Saturday till he give it back to you on Monday. Monday about to go and you say, where's my $100? He said, I didn't say Monday. I said one day. See, he never intended through semantics to ever give it back to you in the first place. 
<laughs> so we must understand. We must understand that we deal with conflict in relationship when it comes to finance when we're not truthful about our finances. You see what I'm saying? When we make bad decisions. Can you imagine if you're a gambler and you're trying to take care of your family? Oh, my God. Playing Sheila, blowing on the dice. You're not going to get the luck of the dice. Going there and running the slot machine. Gambling away all of your money. Playing the lucky numbers. A dollar in a dream. One in a billion. Only 40% gets put in of the entire pot. And then after that, you got to get 33% of what you get off of the total take that's given to you, and then you still got to give away over half of the original amount that you say you want. So whatever it is, you're losing. You're losing. So we must be real about our finances with one another so we're not fighting. Honey, honeysuckle lamb, sweetheart, this is what I'm going to take you. Can you agree that you'll take? Yes, I'll take care of that. Together, we now have a union. Together, two now become one. And then as things grow, baby, I got this blessing that came in with this business opportunity. The bread business is working fine. The cleaners business is working fine. The haberdashery is working fine. I got a little supermarket open up over here. I got a grocery store open up over here. This is working good so I can do more so you can keep more of what you have, honey, and you can do more for yourself and for the children. Do something you wanted to do for mama. Get what you wanted to get for your sister. You see what I'm saying? Get that over there that you wanted to get for yourself. I got this for you. See? And vice versa. And so that's some of the ways that we can deal with conflict where finances are concerned. Wow. You know, finances, Brother Minister, is probably one of the major causes for relationships to break up. And with that in mind, I want to hear from my sister, Rafika, there. What is it that you'd like to ask the minister in terms of this financial key that we're we're embarking on. Well, I was wondering, Mr. Hoppy, about the the resistance and the fight to become different through that trait. But how did we get to the point where we're able to leave the material or not? Or how do we how do we stop ourselves from? Working material and over spiritual. Very, very beautiful question. God never said that He did not want us to have material. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and then 13 verses later, the Word became flesh. So He wants the Word to be turned into something. He turned water, Jesus turned water into wine. He took something that was soluble, and he made it more firm and made it of a substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things yet unseen. So faith is not blind. It's based upon substance and evidence. So God wants us to have things, but he doesn't want us to have the overabundance of things. He doesn't want us to have greedy, to become greedy men and women. There's nothing wrong with having acquisition to wealth, but when you become the greediest of men and women, that you will not share what you have with the poor and the less fortunate, then be guided by a spiritual guidance, then that's an overabundance of our wealth, and it becomes totally self-destructive. And so we have to fight the need for the overabundance of material things. Here, here are some examples. You are male. And you like to wear suits. Well, you already have 14 suits. You have enough suits that you can wear every two weeks, never the same suit, the same day. 
But you say, no, I want to have suits that I don't need to wear the same suit any day. But where are you going to put all of these suits at? How are you going to store them? Where are you going to go? And even if you have the room, do you need it like that? Who are you trying to impress? The way people are suffering today, and the suffering is increasingly uh, getting worse. Who's paying attention to what you're really wearing today? Who's paying attention to what you're stepping in today? You know, it's nice to want to get Louis Vuitton and Gucci and Uchi and Mucci. The bottom line is who's really paying attention to what you're carrying today and the way they throw it on those planes and throw it on to those tarmats and those uh, luggage tr uh, 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 trains that bring it out. Nobody's paying attention to that. Oh, do you see what you got? I mean, that's just for you to have. No one's really paying attention to these things like we used to, and I don't think we ever should have. How many pairs of shoes does a woman need to have? You already have 75 pairs, and Lord knows you haven't even gotten through those in the 365 days that just went past. Now you want to go this year and get another 25. How many more bags do you need? Because you like bags, and we go with this. I like this, so I'm a collector. We're going too far. And when it comes from wealth, when it comes to riches, if, not, if we don't understand that the acquisition is to be conferred to share with others, then God blesses you to recoup it all over again so that you have some for yourself and your family, but you give it to others who are less fortunate. Then what's the purpose of really having it? So we have to fight the need for material wealth over spiritual, because at the end of the day, naked you come in the world, naked you leave. There was a man I was told many years ago, he in Illinois, he was buried. They say he was a gangster. They buried him with $50,000 in the casket. I mean, and they put it in the ground. I mean, if I walked up to the casket, I wouldn't have put the 50000 in the ground. I would have walked away looking like Puff Daddy, because that money don't go in the grave as dead presidents, but it serves a living purpose. Do you know they want to dig it up that grave and went and got the $50,000? They should have never put it in there in the first place. Was he that greedy he needed to go with some of his money in the grave because he liked money? That doesn't make any sense. So we have to wake up that we do not need all the things we need. Why do we need a house with 26 bedrooms and 18 bathrooms? And you can only use one room at time. You don't even know who came in on the east wing because you're over on the west wing and you think that there's paranormal activity taking place in your home when you just got a place that's just too big or otherwise move your family in there and let everybody have a room and have their own bathroom and you don't have to worry about fighting over the bathroom with 18 bathrooms. Everybody got their own space and can get where they need to go on time. Just something for us to think about. And in, in mind with that, with that thought, is there a step of just being content with what you have? Not as the song in this poem, just be thankful for what you got. And, and if so, how do we know you're there? Oh, beautiful, beautiful. The Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan said to us one day, listen to this wisdom. He says, sometimes more is less and less is more. I mean, I really want that just to... You know, drop it like it's hot as we say, let it just sink in. Sometimes more is less, and less is more. 
you know, those of us who are poor can be happy poor because we understand that I'm not living beyond my means and I don't have the ability to live beyond it and I'm not trying to go down no illegal road to do so. So we must understand that I'm happy with what I have until I can work even harder or until I have a blessing of a friendship or an alliance until something has been conferred on me that will help elevate me to the next level. I'm happy where I am. We have to be happy today, Sister Rafiko and Brother James, and to your listening audience, pardon me, just to be able to meet our secular needs, more or less for us to have extravagance. Those that have the ability to go above and beyond need to be very careful because I remember in the 80s when they had the pilots went on strike. The pilots, they said, were making $200,000 back then, but they were living above their means double the amount of $400,000. What is it that when you already have more than what you need, you live above what you need? Because we always think it's always going to be there and always come in. But when that strike came and it went on for a protractile period of time, then they realized I should have never went above my dead ceiling. So we have to understand that we should be thankful for what we have because Jesus says in the scriptures of a man who complained that he didn't have any any shoes on his feet till he showed him someone else that did not have any feet at all. How thankful should you be? This one don't even have any foots. He has to grow some feet or someone has to attach it. All you do is don't have no shoes. All you can do, you can walk somewhere and someone might give you some like they did the man the police officer did with the man in Times Square in 2012 and bought him some boots and put it on his feet so that the man would be able to walk without getting hurt. And he went and took the boots and took them home. But the bottom line is someone decided to do something for him that would help him. We have to be satisfied with what we have. And, and at a certain point, you can want more, but don't want extravagance. We don't need 20 flat-screen TVs in our apartment or our house, in every room that you go in. One or two rooms is sufficient, and you got too much of that going on anyway and letting the world pass you by. We're living in a time of wars and rumors of wars, pestilence and famines, and earthquakes in diverse places. People are in tsunamis, superstorms, and human beings are losing everything they have fires, ravishing and destroying everything that a person has. Think about those persons. They're not thinking about any greed. They're not thinking about no overabundance of wealth. They're not thinking about hoarding anything. They just want to get back a piece of what they lost, a piece of what was taken away from them. And they're happy to live with whatever they have. The rest of us should do the same thing. Yet, no calamity has touched us. So when it does, we can let go and let God. Yes, ma'am. Yes, um, we we want to move right into social key with the Sahabis now. Would you like to start? Yes, I would. Um, Brother Minister, Mm -hmm. why is it important for couples to socialize and get out the house, and how does this improve their relationship? Oh, well, you know, when you started your relationship, Generally, it wasn't in no house. You caught it, your courtship, or in the other world, this world, you dated them, and when you date, 
That's something external. When you court, that's external. When you court, you're not even permitted to be over at someone's house. When you date, rules are a little bit more relaxed, but you tend to take someone out. Let's go to a movie. Let's go to a play. Let's go to eat. You see what I'm saying? Let's sit on the park bench. You did things that were external. You did things that were away from the home. Now we get married and we never want to leave. It's all right to have a nice setting at your home because you don't make your living room look the way it looks in your den and the rest of your home and your basement for you to always leave it either. But there's something serene about leaving that environment and going out into the outdoor environment, sometimes even just to your backyard, to your back deck, sometimes to your front porch gives you a different perspective on something that you're trying to read or focus on. But going, being outward, and, 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 and having an outward mentality does something of freeing the mind and the soul and the spirit and learning to travel every once in a while does something to refresh the couple's relationships and it keeps staleness from setting in, from the mold, from coming in to the relationship spiritually and mentally, you know, causing one another not to want to be around one another. So there's something powerful and having an external reality and say, you know what, come on, baby, come on, honeysuckle lamb, let me take you on out tonight and just treat you. Sometimes just going out to a movie that you both agree on and like to do. You know, pay-per-view is good. Sometimes just take them on out and spend the $15. Yeah, it's expensive, but come on. When the last time you did it? And just sit up in a theater and act like it's a theater in your own house. You know, you know, you got other people in there, people sitting behind you, crunching on some popcorn or something, but you can act like that for a moment until you get one in your home. And even when you do, you can leave that to everybody else. Come on, baby, let's go take a walk together with one another. So there's something therapeutic about an external uh, representation and sharing between couples that help them in the cohesiveness of their relationship. So the next question I have in terms of that social key, what does seclusion lead us to? Well, it leads to... I would say, like drinking stagnant water. And when you drink stagnant water, it poisons you. Seclusion can be very poisonous. It's like a person sitting in a room studying. They love to study, but they study only to themselves, and they never have anyone to bounce off what they're studying. They become arrogant to themselves. They become pompous to themselves. They become Mr. and Mrs. Know-it-all to themselves because they had no one to challenge them or no one to verify what they were studying, whether it's accurate or not. No one to have ebb and flow, no one to question. So therefore they think that they have it all. Seclusion can be very dangerous. Yet there are times when we can be secluded in the positive sense for spiritual and mental and moral development, but eventually your seclusion to yourself is only for you to come back out and to be better at how you relate with others your outlook on the world, your outlook on life, and how you touch the lives of others. So seclusion for a prolonged period of time can be very, very uh, detrimental. It's like sitting in the same position and never moving, uh, never moving, pardon me. Then you become stiff. You see? The blood stops flowing the way that it could flow. So God has meant for us to be an active people, and business is the activity of life doing things and agribusiness and producing things. So seclusion is never a good thing in relationship. 
you know, and you have one that's outgoing and one that's an extrovert and one that's an introvert. No, both of us need to allow each other to help one another come up in our level of how we come out of a secluded lifestyle. You know, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, received the revelation in the cave of Hira, but Allah didn't leave him in the cave. The Prophet came forth out of the cave and continued to receive revelation because there's something therapeutic when you're on the move. There's something therapeutic when you are not just confined into one area, but you're able to be able to move about freely with the Spirit of God. If he gave the bird wings to fly, and he gave man the intelligence to make a plane to fly from one place to another, and the intelligence to make a contraption called a car, that he never wanted us to be secluded no more than he wanted the bird to be secluded in a nest. He never wanted the human being to be secluded to themselves. He gave us feet, and he gave us a calf, and he gave us thighs and the leg by which to walk and go where we would like to go and transport our bodies. So he never wanted us to have seclusion because that makes us sedentary, poisonous things can set in and poison the bloodstream of the relationship. So be outgoing. Get out in among your people. And if it's about the resurrection of the dead, the soldier feels good when they have mud under their shoe and under their feet. We never feel good just sitting up re 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 uh, operating a remote control while the world is passing us by. Get out and join the bloodstream of activity, which is business. So that's how I would answer about Seclusion. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. well, we're going to move into the physical key, but before we do, I want to give up the phone number. It's area code 213 943 3618. Again, 213 943 3618. And when we finish up with the others, I should say, when we approach the physical key and when we speak on it, because we're never done, um, we're going to move into a couple of questions um, posed to you. I think of some people from Brooklyn. So we're starting off with the physical key. And um, here's a question that has been a debate. You know, um, you've been with the person for quite a while. You begin to be comfortable with that person. No longer do you dial up. I don't know what men call it, but you don't dial up anymore for him because now you're married and you're just sedentary. You know, mm -hmm. maybe it's a baby. And, and the question is, does it really matter what you look like once you're married, you've been married for a long time? Does it, does it matter? Yes, it does. Let's, let's just be honest from the outset. It does. Men are visual people, and women, if they tell the truth, so are they. But we know that we mature. You know, we all have different metabolisms, and some of us could lose more, some could gain more, some could just stay right where they are. But we know when we've let ourselves go and we have become unattractive. It doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you should throw the person away, but what it means is you should encourage them. You should see them getting ready to go a certain way and say, Look, honey, come on, we can't we can't accept this. You mean we? Yes, we. What do you mean you can't? No, we can't. You should want to accept this. You should want to let yourself just go to the wayside like this. No more than I want to see you like this. You know, I understand we got older. I understand metabolism changed. And I understand we mature. But my God, can we at least get a handle on whatever it is we need to get a handle on? You understand? Nothing wrong with that. And we don't need a whole lot of these surgeries and whatnot. And you do what you have to do in your life. People have to make those decisions 
to their health concerns and what's in their best interest. But we should never become so much worried about how we look that we become conceited about ourselves. And you know you have too many little girls in America, white girls, black girls, and other girls of ethnicities trying to be so skinny, trying to look like a Barbie doll, trying to look like a model coming down a runway, and that's not how you were made to be. You have to be as you are, from the genetic makeup of what you come from. And if you know you want to conform at some, then do the exercise that you have to do to conform. Put that extra walk in. Do that aerobic exercise. Do that yoga. Do the martial arts. Do whatever it is that we need to do to keep our bodies in a certain form that remains attractive to the person that we love. Because men, you know, we, we get with women and say, oh, man, they changed now. It's time to move on to something new. See, but women do the same thing. Even though women will give men a longer leash, if, if I may use that. You know, just give them more rope. You know what I mean? Because they'll accept the brother as he is, rolling pony, rolling up and down the hill. And they'll still love him and be with him. But we, oh, man, see, you, you got to keep it together. You got to drop it like it's hot. See, we got to stop that. If she gave you mercy, then you give her mercy. She's shown you kindness, show her kindness. She was patient with you, you be patient with her. And we work together. We should never just let ourselves go freestyle and don't think that what we look like doesn't matter. And we do. How Well, when it goes too far, when it goes when it goes too far, we're not we're not mindful of how we look. Then that statement that grass may be green on the other side, but it's not easy to cut. Well, we start wanting to cut grass on another side. It's like you're looking at your yard and nothing but all kind of weeds and crazy things growing up out of it because you let it go out of control. And you look at a more manicured one, you are more attracted to what's more manicured than to what is looking crazy, deranged, and out of control. And so it is not uh, the description that you should utilize that, but it is a reality that exists. And so we should work to keep ourselves to the best of our ability in proper order. And we can do so if we get ahead of the curve. We can do so if we stop judging ourselves. It didn't take all. It didn't take one day to put it on. You can take many days to get it off. But the bottom line is, get off whatever it is you need to get off. Whether it's weight, whether it is how you have carried yourself and how you act, whatever it is, bring about that change that keeps that attraction going with your loved one. Yeah, you can say they can love me the way I am, but that's not the way you met them, and that's not the way you met them, and therefore it's not the way that we should keep one another. How we look in our parents does mean a lot. And if we don't tend to it, it can cause the other person to look in another direction in whatever way that direction that they choose to look. So we talked about the spiritual, the mental, the emotional, the social, and the physical keys in the pursuit of love, peace, and happiness. I want to thank you for those examples, and I think that's a good blueprint, that's a good start on how to get ourselves healthier in our relationships as we move forward in 2013. We have a couple of questions posed to you. I see four seven and brother exit six. And question number one is, as a Muslim married couple, how, how, how does one balance life and personal, how does one balance business life and personal life? Well, we must understand that Business is the activity of life, and uh, whichever one it is, the male or the female, who is more active in what they're doing 
to support the family unit. It's for the family. But when we know that we have time for personal family time, then don't use business as a mask to stay away. Don't use other realities that are part of our lives while we still don't have time. Make the time. Create the time. Create the space in time that you can have that personal time with one another. Force the balance. It's not going to come about all on its own. You're going to be like two, two uh, ships crossing each other in the night. No, there's got to be a meeting at sea where we can have time with one another. See? And you have to make that time, force it, you have to create it. Otherwise, it's not going to come about on its own. And then we just use that as a rationale and an excuse why things are the way that they are. Make the balance, force it, create it, construct it, and you'll have it. Mm. Next question is, how, how does one who has been used to being alone for so long incorporate a life of solitude into a life of marriage? Well, you have to ask yourself, that's a good question, why have you been in a life of solitude so long? And there are many different reasons why we've been. We could have been married for a very long time, and, you know, we feel I've been there, done that. And, um, you know, we could have been hurt so bad uh, multiple times or more than multiple times. And I just don't want to go down that road. It could be like the scorpion and the turtle, and the scorpion tells the turtle, I need a ride on your back across the Atlantic, and the turtle tells the scorpion, well, if you do so, you'll sting me. And the scorpion says to the turtle, well, why would I do that? It wouldn't be in our both of our best interests. And the turtle trusts the scorpion, even though he knew the nature. And midway in the stream of the journey across the Atlantic, he feels a sting in his back. And he said, I thought it wouldn't be in my best interest. But the scorpion tells the turtle, it's my nature to do what my nature bids me to do. See? So when you know the nature of something and you didn't go according to what you knew, then you feel, you know, you've let your own self down. And so... You don't want to do that again. You don't want to go down that road. You don't want to make any mistakes. So the way you get out from solitude into being a more sociable human being is by following the word of God. It is not good that man should be alone. Therefore, he desires that we would have a woman, the opposite of ourselves, that would be our helpmate. The woman is not made fully whole until she also has her complementary partner, which is the man in her life. But all holiness comes from Allah. Even though we are husband and wife, it is to Allah that we have our eventual return. It is Allah who is the nourisher of our spirits, our minds, our hearts, and our souls unto perfections. And our spouses stand in the place of God to one another, and therefore we issue these things for one another because God works through men and women for the benefit of other men and women, but Allah also works through the spirit of himself to each and every one of us to communicate to us what we need and how we need it. And so we have to be mindful of that, that he does not, it's never meant for us to remain secluded to ourselves. And whatever it is that has ill affected you, that has you that way, know that the complement of yourself is out there. And until you release yourself to find that person, then all you will do is be satisfied with the you by yourself rather than the we and the us with someone else, which is the complementary side of God. 
last question from Sarah and Brother Edward is, as a Muslim who is in the social service advocate profession, how is one balanced time with family? In the social service? Yes, social service advocate. Well, this is NYBY. And you are involved in social services. A lot is taken out of you. Because when you serve other persons, you give of yourselves by listening. You give of yourselves by how you help them. Everyone needs to take a moment to de-stress. Everyone needs to find a therapy and a way to help them de-stress so that you can have time more personal time for yourself. It's like this of a husband and a wife. You know, could or help balance their house out, but he wants the woman to think more about him and focus on him and how to take care of the husband. But if you take more care and more responsibility of what needs to be done in the house, then she'll have more time. So we need to take care of the things that we need in, in our lives and when we're working in our social lives and learn how to departmentalize these realities so that we can have that personal time. I'm going to say it again. You have to force it. You have to construct it. You have to make it happen. You have to carve it out for ourselves. Because if we don't, it just won't happen. And that goes with any idea in life that you want to accomplish. If you want to have one thing versus the other, you must make the sacrifice of something else to have something else greater. Oh, we absolutely do. Let's go to a quick commercial break. And for all of those who are on live on the line, please press the number one. I'm going to meet you in the chat room, get your name, where you're from. So when we bring you on to ask your question to our brother minister, Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, he'll know exactly who's calling and who's asking the question. So we're going to go to a quick break, and then we'll be right back. Brothers and sisters, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, Student Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad and the Believers cordially invite you to visit Muhammad's Mosque Number 7, located at 106-8 West 127th Street, Harlem, New York, between Adam Clayton Powell and Malcolm X Boulevard. Meeting times are Sundays, 10 o'clock a.m., Wednesdays at 8 p.m., and Juma Prayer Fridays at 1.15 p.m., for more information, dial 212-865-1200. Once again, 212-865-1200 or www.mosque7.org. This portion of the keys was brought to us by Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face -face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The King on Long Talk Radio with your host, Brother James Fourteen Muhammad. 
over the back. Go ahead, Rafika. We have, we do have callers on the line, ready to speak with the minister. So I'm going to okay. start off with the first caller. Okay, um, brother Abdul Rahman from Tunisia. You are live on the line. You can speak, with brother Minister Hafiz. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Khafalakum. Wa alaikum salam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Khafalakum. Yeah, uh, I'm doing good, alhamdulillah. My, um, I'm an American, but I live in Tunisia. My friend Hafiz yeah. told me to call in because you said you guys had a radio show. So yeah. uh, I want to introduce myself. I'm a little bit, um, I was I was just, uh, I wasn't sure. Um, I knew that you guys were Muslims. I'm a Sunni. I follow the Maliki Sikh, the Maliki Madad. And I was uh, curious about, uh, are you, because um, I, I, I heard in the commercial break about the Nation of Islam, so I was actually curious about what is uh, what is your guys' view on following the Surah of the Rasul, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? My brother, we are all Muslims. And we, yes. Before you go, before you go into that, that um, answer, brother, I would just like to let you know that, um, our topic today is relationships, and I think your question is very, very important. And I know we have a lot of callers on the line who want to talk about relationships, and you can hold on, and if we have a little more time, we can go into that area that you want to go into. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. I do like what you were saying okay, so about hang on a minute. So. Absolutely. Hold on a moment. Hang on, hang on a minute, please. Okay? All right. Yes, ma'am. Uh, one of the other callers just dropped the line by mistake. They will be calling back. Um, but um, anybody else that has a, uh, a question for Minister Hafiz, please press the number one, and we'll bring you right on in. We're getting ready to get into the 7.30 hour, so maybe we could bring in the chat room with Minister Hafiz, and they can um, go a little deeper into that. But um, um, we're at the 7.30 mark here in New York City and the time. And I've got to wrap it up. I really don't want to because I know people are going to call in. But, um, well, we have some. Let's, let's finish up the callers. Let's finish up the callers. Okay. Let me bring okay. a caller right in uh, directly on the line. Judge 
the quality or the capability of someone by what we see on the outside. Because the Bible says, be careful of the company of strangers you entertain. There may be angels unaware of you. And so actually, we must be mindful that there's something that great that points every one of us, no matter what we have on the outside. Mm-hmm. Okay, but that actually is the point that I'm speaking of. In other words, it's, it's actually exactly the opposite. In other words, I, you know, I've been through a number of relationships, and fortunately and unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. What I've found is as, as I respect you and as I view you through the eyes of someone I love, right. when the luck gone, in other words, it may be eliminated by a number of different causes, but once the love is gone, my point of view of you changes. In other words, you are beautiful to me, the most beautiful woman in the world to me today, because I mm-hmm. loved you and I respected you. But once mm-hmm. I lost the love and or respect, all of a sudden you don't, you're not so beautiful anymore. So in other words, my okay, wife, I understand uh, what you're saying, my brother. Right. Well, let's let's, okay. let's 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 understand this. God loves us even when we stop loving ourselves. And thank thank thanks be that there is a Creator, because that will change. And it's a sad thing that it does. But understand this. When we say to someone we love you, but look here, socially, we just can't be together with one another. But I, I, and, and when I say I love you, that means I appreciate you at this moment. I respect you. But look, we just can't live together with one another in peace. So the love shouldn't be all gone because they're still good about that person just on another level. You just can't live with them and love them at the same time. You see? You know that love? have that uh, compatibility, but the love should just be thrown out the door because think of what I'm saying, and let me prove it real quickly, very quickly. When you have children, you have to have love in order to continue to raise those children. So you can't have a disrespect now for the mother of your children or the father of your children because the two of you, by God's permission, produce those children. And unless you have love for self and love for them, you can't instill that in them even though you're no longer together with one another. See? So we shouldn't lose total love and respect just because we can't work together with each other or we can't live together with one another. The level of respect should still be there, especially when we know we have children that we have to raise and other business that we have to conduct. Thank you for your answer. Well, I, I certainly appreciate uh, your, your, your answer, your wisdom. Thank you for Thank sharing. you. Thank you for allowing me to share with you. Yes, Brother, Brother Minister, thank you so very much for answering those questions. I do believe uh, there are many that have questions but are afraid to come online and ask them. But do do uh, do be advised that the minister will make a regular appearance on our show to deal with the relationship issues that we have in our family lives, in our, uh, our business lives, and in our spiritual lives because everything is relative. So I want to say that uh, this has been a very enlightening, enjoyable, and spiritually uplifting segment, Lessons in Relationships. Brother Minister Abdul Hafiz Muhammad, we love you, brother, and we appreciate your time because your time is valuable, and I think that there was a wealth of information, and in the spirit that you deliver it to us, it can only help us grow and be better in 2013. Thank you so very much. And I want to say that uh, Sister Rafika always asks guests if there's any closing comments they wish to make 
and uh, to depart on us, and it's something that we can hold on to as we go through the week uh, until the next time we hear from you, my brother. Thank you. Well, to my brother who's from America but living in Tunisia, we are all Muslims. La ilaha illallah, there is no God but Allah. Muhammad and Rasulullah, we bear witness and Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. But the nation of Islam has a special work here in the wilderness of North America that the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who is our eternal leader, has leaded us and guided us to. And Minister Farrakhan continues that work today, and we along with him. Let me say to my family, the biggest and most important relationship is having an intimate relationship with Rabbil Alameen, he who's the nourisher unto perfection, and that is Allah God, your creator. Were you a thought in the mind when you were conceived or produced by your parents? Were you a thought in their mind when they conceived us? Some of us were Planned Parenthood. Some of us were, oops, didn't know we were there. But God knew we were there. So always turn mercifully to your creator. Even in a good marriage and relationship, always thank God for what you have and how he's blessed you to overcome trial and circumstances. And so, Sister Rafika and Brother James, and to the Keys 107, and to your broad listening audience in the Internet world, it's an honor to be with you, and if you would like for me to come on with you at least once a month, then I don't have a problem doing that. I wouldn't mind joining you on the Keys 107. It's a great honor and a great privilege, and I thank Allah, the Most High, for whatever he has used me to be able to disseminate to others, for I am just a speck of dust. I am less than a point on a pencil. I am nothing, and God is everything, because he is the greatest. And so whatever way that we could have been helpful to freedom, justice, and equality, to a better spiritual, mental, emotional, social, physical, and communicative lifestyle, then it was an honor being with you. And we look forward to it again. Remember, to develop means to grow, to improve means to change. We all need change. And remember, no matter how tumultuous days are in your life, Every day above ground is indeed a blessed day, another day to solve a problem, and another day to receive a bountiful blessing from a wonderful and magnificent creator. Thank you for the time and the opportunity. As we greet you in peace, wishing for you the same thing we wish for ourselves. Assalamu alaikum. I just wanted to pop myself into this um, ending right here and give you a chance to speak on anything that you heard. We have a few more minutes left um, before we are um, offline. I noticed that there are quite a few people who have their um, number ones pressed and maybe they want to talk. So if you don't want to talk, release your number one. Um, Brother James. Yes, I am here. And I'd like to say that that there. Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you. What a, what a. What a wonderful message Mr. Hafiz delivered yes. today. Absolutely. I want to say to some of the listening audience, Brother Brandon X uh, from Harrisburg, uh, Pennsylvania, your question is going to be answered uh, by Minister Hafiz directly. I'd like to say Sister Judith um, Muhammad from Atlanta, 
Uh, I would like for you just to say, I'm going to bring your your mic live so you'll know that we made a transition right here. And so you can express to me what you expressed in the chat room to Sister Rafika the whole. Your, your mic is now live, Sister um, uh, Judith. Yes, sir. Assalamualaikum. Um, yes, sister, I want to thank you for inviting me to the call via email. I almost didn't read your email. I'm glad I opened it because I didn't know who you were at the time. <laughs> but I thank you because the call was so enlightening, encouraging, informative. I could just go on and on and on and on and on. I just want to thank you for inviting me to the call, and I look forward to many, many more. Please don't forget me. Well, Sister Judith, you know, I want to let you know that the um, Spirit guided me to play this message today because uh, when uh, Minister Hafiz and I met to discuss the topic for that particular show, it was after the new year, and we wanted to give people some type of blueprint that they could use to help them get through the year. And um, Minister Hafiz was held up in traffic in his cell phone, even though he had planned to just call in, his cell phone was um, very echoey, so then we decided that it would be best if we didn't broadcast with that type of technology. But to let you and the listening audience know, he is scheduled to be with us every third Thursday discussing aspects of relationships. Yes, ma'am. Okay, thank you so much. I will be on the call. Well, I appreciate you taking your time to spend with us. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, Sister Rafika, I have one other person or two other people that would like to just say a few things. Brother Anthony, uh, he advised that your mic is live on the air and you could just give a uh, Rafika, the, the greetings. Good, uh, hey, Brother good evening, Anthony. Sister How you doing? I'm doing fine. <laughs> All right. Brother James wrote down my uh, question, and so maybe next time when Minister Hafiz is available, he can share that with him, and I can either archive the message or be a part of the call. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's every third Thursday. And um, you can always send questions to suggestions at thekeys107network.com. That's suggestions at thekeys107network.com. And uh, we'll make sure that Minister Hafiz gets your question and answer your question. And don't forget to call back in. We'll let you know. Uh, we're just very excited to be able to present this kind of information um, to the public. Yeah, I, I like how he... Um put such a, a fair perspective on some of the things that he spoke about and, and some people you can receive and some people you cannot and he was definitely um, someone that I could receive the information from. Yes, he, he, he has a way of speaking to the people and you know one of his nicknames um, although we don't call, we don't give each other nicknames but I should say one of the names that he goes by is the people's minister. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I, I like how he expressed a few of the uh, things that you guys were speaking on. He he's definitely um, a, a great guest to bring on. Uh, you know, reoccurring. Yeah, he's uh, straight talk to straight understanding. <laughs> That's Minister Holly. We do yeah, have another line, Brother Anthony. Okay. I want to thank you. And Sister Rafika, we're going to get one more last person in, and then we can sign off for the evening. So stand by. Call us. Your mic is live on the air. That's the Erico 347. 
please bless us with your comments. Assalamu alaikum, family. Wa alaikum salam. This is Brother Tahir, family. Assalamu alaikum. Oh, wa alaikum salam, Brother Tahir. Nice of you to join us. Oh, family, all I can say is amazing, amazing, amazing. After listening in, I mean, my spirit is just so high. So many beautiful and valid points made. I mean, the one thing that stood out for me personally, yo, in dealing with relationships is when Minister Hafiz dealt with on leading, learning to lead by example. Mm. I had to, I had to, that, that was powerful for me because I had to look at myself and say, am I truly being an example of that which I say I am as a believer, as a father, and as somebody who's just trying to do the right thing? Oh, brother, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm so proud of, of what you guys are doing. As I said, my spirit is high, and I'm so thankful that I listened in. And this is the first time, and definitely be a long time. Well, um, brother, I want to let let you know that um, in the near future, we're going to have a transcript offered as an e e file on our website. And we're just having, we have a sister who is working on transcribing these lessons in relationships so that not only will you be able to listen to the archive broadcast, but you'll also be able to, to read that PDF file um, at your leisure, you know. So it's going to be a wonderful manual. <laughs> yes, indeed. All praises due to Allah. You guys keep up the, the great work that you're doing. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. Thank you, sir. And, and also... Go to our website, www.thekeys107network.com, and, you know, post your suggestions and interact with us. Mm, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Assalamu alaikum. Wa Well, Brother James, um, I don't see any more callers with their hand up ready to uh, speak, so I think well, this might I'm be a good you. time. It absolutely is a good time. And I will say to you, all the callers, we've seen you all the way from Philadelphia, from Indianapolis, from Chicago, from Delaware, from Atlanta. We've seen you in San Diego on the line. We've seen you all over in Louisiana. Don't think I didn't see you on the line, Louisiana. So we are are blessed that we have uh, this type of outreach, and we thank God much. Have a great night, family. And um, you're you're listening to the sounds of uh, South Africa's singer and jazz musician, Ernie Smith. Um, Ernie Smith has graciously allowed us to play his music um, on our shows, and we look forward to bringing Ernie Smith down sometime in April to do a live show with us. So get ready for that, Ernie Smith, South Africa. Good night, family. Thank <laughs> you.
with Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.